بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا فما بعده My brothers and sisters, we constantly hear the issue of uh, leadership in the Muslim Ummah. So we all, usually if you ask people what do you think we need, what is our greatest weakness, people will say we don't have good leaders. Right? We, have, we have no leaders, we have useless leaders, we have uh, leaders which are, who are faulty in various ways. And so the reason why we are the way we are is because we have bad leaders. Now my submission to you is that to some extent that is true, I don't deny that. But one very critical aspect of leadership and success which we ignore is the aspect of followership. Not leadership, followership. So I thought let me talk about that today. The importance of followership. <coughs> Take the seerah of Rasulullah which is the best example for us to follow. If you take the leadership of Rasulullah now obviously we are talking about the leadership of the Nabi and therefore what he did and what he said was as a result of Wahi from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we are looking at a perfect model. For the moment I want you to remove that from your mind which is that we are talking about the Nabi. Look at it from the perspective of purely human leadership. Here was a man and he was a leader. He had a dream, he had a vision and he brought this dream and vision to a bunch of people. What did he do and what did they do? Right? We should, I'm asking you to look at it as a, in an objective, real world way uh, and not get uh, influenced by the Islamic adab angle of it. We are not ignoring that obviously. Uh, that is very much part of the story. But, uh, if we, for the sake of learning, we have to keep it aside because otherwise people will say, oh yeah, that is true, but that applies to the Nabi. So since I am not a Nabi, what can I do? The example of the Nabi, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا لِمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُ اللَّهَ وَالْيَوْمَ الْآخِرَةِ وَذَكَرَ اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا Allah said, in the life of my Nabi is the best example for you for those who look forward to the meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and look forward to the Day of Judgment. So when he's saying the life of the Nabi is the best example, it means it's the best example for everyone until the end of time. So from that angle. Now what was the vision of Rasulullah What had he been sent to do? He had been sent to convey to the people to all people in the whole world until the end of time. La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. That there is no one worthy of worship except Allah. And that Muhammad Sallallahu is his final, last and final messenger. And that therefore it means, what does this mean? It means therefore that you will obey Allah and you will obey Rasulullah Sallallahu 
in what? In every aspect of your life. In your aqidah, in what you believe, in your creed, in your ibadat, in the way you worship, in your mu'amilat, in the way you deal with people, in your akhlaq, your own manners, and the way you conduct yourself, and in your mu'ashara, which is the society that you create. All of this will be patterned on the message of Rasulullah Now, this is the vision of Rasulullah When Rasulullah received Rahi and when he became the Nabi, this was not necessarily the vision of Khadija Al-Kubra or Abu Bakr or any of the people who first came into Islam. They didn't necessarily take this. They said to, they would have said, well, this is the view of Rasulullah and I support it. Right? But if you read the seerah and if you read the lives of the Sahaba, you can see that very quickly a change was made. What was this change? The change was the owning of the vision as my vision. So when Musab bin Umayr was sent to Medina to convey La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah to convey the message of Tawheed and Risala. Did he go there saying, this is what Muhammad Sallallahu wants you to do. I have only come to convey, that's all. Or did he say, this is what we should do, this is what I do, this is what I want you to do. Right? They owned it as their own. When Musa bin Umar went to Madinah, did he say, I am doing this to make Muhammad succeed? Or did he say, I am doing this for my success? Because in the Akhirah, this is what will help me. Which one do you think he did? Right? So also for everyone. So the first requirement of success in leadership is good followership. And the first requirement of good followership is to own the vision of the leader as your own vision. One of the consequences of owning the vision of the leader as your own vision is that the leader will effectively disappear from the scene. I don't mean physically. I mean that if you ask people why are you working, they won't say because Muhammad said so. Because Yawar Beg said so. Because Muhammad Ahmad said so. No. Muhammad Ahmad would have been the first person to articulate this vision, but once I have understood that and I have adopted it, it is my vision. It's my vision. I will work, I will continue to work. Whether Muhammad Ahmad is there, he's not there, he's listening, he's not listening, he knows, he does not know, it makes no difference. I have to do my own work because I believe this is my work. So, first requirement of Good followership is complete ownership of that vision as your vision, not as somebody else's vision which you are supporting. Second quality of followership is complete and total commitment to achieving that vision. A complete and total, I don't, I don't even know why I need to explain that because it has only one meaning. No? What is the meaning of complete? 90% is complete? No. 99.99999% is complete? No. Complete and total 
commitment to that vision now innumerable examples from the lives of the sahaba radhiyallahu anhu and mine musa bin umair is a classic example he goes first of all he accepts islam so he loses everything he has in bakka including the clothes on his body his mother was a tough lady so she decided that i've got this son of mine who is uh, who thinks is a great character because of the money i give him so let me take it all away and then let's see how much he has commitment on this uh, vision of muhammad sallallahu so she says she locks him up for a few days then she he doesn't change so she said okay you can go uh, but whatever you have is mine so give it back so he gives everything back as he is leaving she said no no hold on hold on the clothes you are wearing i bought those for you take them off so out of her mercy she gave him one single piece of cloth to tie around his waist that's it he said get out musab bin umair radhiyallahu left and then he went to madina rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam sent him to madina he went to madina practically all the major sahaba or major minor everybody in madina became muslim on the hand of musab bin umair radhiyallahu including people like saad bin muad radhiyallahu and then musab bin umair died in the battle of uhud he was shahid in the battle of uhud did he see fatah fatah makkah no did he see the fatuhat that came in the khilafah rashida in the time of, of umar ibn al khattab radhiyallahu anhu and so on no did he therefore see within quotes success of the mission of muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam no to some limited extent maybe because of the people who accepted islam on his hand but otherwise if you looked at the life of musab bin umair radhiyallahu anhu here was a man who committed and everything he had totally including eventually his own life but did he see success so why did he do it did he say well you know what what is the good of me alone doing this after all no one else is doing it Now, this is a classic one today mai ek kara to kya hota what was their vision when i say total commitment that is why allah subhanahu wa taala mentioned in the in the quran in surah tauba the ayat meaning of which is allah said we have purchased allah has purchased from the believers the mu'minin their lives and their wealth bi anna lahumul janna for them there is janna in exchange for this so allah says this is a deal this is a actual trade i have paid something to get something so janna is yours and the payment for janna is your whole life and your whole wealth not your spare time not your pocket money all your life all your wealth and janna is yours now the, the issue about a deal is that it's signed and sealed right for example if you want to buy my car which i want to buy your car what's the price i say the price is so much right and you say that's okay fine so i will come and collect it tomorrow morning deal is over right so tomorrow morning if you come and you say give me the car keys 
What, what must I say? Give me the money. You said, no, no, but you see, I don't have the money. But we did a deal yesterday, so give me the car keys. What was the deal? Was the deal that you would just come and take the car keys? No, that was not the deal. The deal was, I will give you the car keys for this money. So if you give me the money, you get the car keys. Car is yours. You already bought the car. Car is yours. You have to pay for it. You pay for it, it's yours. Take it, go away, no problem. But if you say, no, no, I won't pay for it. I'll tell you what, you know what, I agreed for this amount of money, but I have only 10% of that. So I'm going to give you 10% of it. No, no, no. I can't give you 10% of the car. I mean, there's, what do you take out one wheel and give you? I mean, you know. So, no deal. You either pay the full amount or there is no deal. Then, this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said in the Quran. In Surah Tawbah, that's the ayah. So, first is complete commitment. Is you know, owning, the, owning the vision. Second one is complete and total commitment. Rasulullah came to Madinah. See the meaning of, of people who understood commitment. Nabi came to Madinah. He said he wanted to build a masjid. First, first item on the agenda. He didn't, he didn't build his own house. And this is the example also being set by the leader. He is not building his own house. He is building a masjid first. So there was a piece of land which was identified. That piece of land belonged to two orphans. So Rasulullah said, we, I would like to buy. They, they, they often said, Ya Rasulullah, we would like to donate it. Nabi said, no, you are orphans. We, I will not take it for free. I want to buy it. So some price was settled. Abu Bakr Siddiq bought this land and donated it for Masjid and Nabawi al-Sharif. Yeah, we like to talk about long-term investment plans. Huh? You know what that, you, just, just think about it. You know what that investment is? And how much is it? That white carpeted area. Riyadhul Jannah. What is the value of that investment? Just think about that. What is the value of that investment? What is Abu Bakr, what did Abu Bakr Siddiq get for this? He paid some money, right? What did he get for this? No, no, Jannah to hai. From the from the from this piece of land, what is he getting? Salat of everybody who prays there. Who is everybody? Huh? Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Abu Bakr Siddiq radhiyallahu anhu gets the reward of the salah of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And all the Sahaba. And all of the people who prayed there and who will pray there until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keeps Masjid al-Nabawi al-Sharif where it is. Until the day of, Allah, day of judgment or whatever Allah is, 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 is. All of that salah. But all that salah is not worth one second of the salah of Muhammad sallallahu Right? He is getting, Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu is getting the sawab of all of those salahs for that one-time investment which he made. Hmm? Abu Bakr Siddiq is dead and gone. 1400 years have passed. Eh? His investment is alive and well and earning him. 
full commitment what is the reward for this full commitment total ownership of the vision and full commitment to establishing that vision allah gave us the in the quran allah also showed us the opposite of this musa alai salam the people of musa alai salam what was their characteristics constantly doubting their nabi constantly arguing with him this is a very big uh, illness and that's why it's very important for you to first decide whether this leader you are following is worth following and if he is worth following then you should shut up and follow that doesn't mean that you should not give advice or something but constantly if you keep on arguing if you keep on believing that you know better then it's better for you to leave that leader go find yourself another leader or you become the leader and decide what you want to do with your life because if somebody is leading they are leading for a reason and it's not because they look cute or something right it's their what they have acquired in their lives and so on and so forth the value of that and if you don't think that is valuable what are you doing there if you think you know better then go do something go go lead some other people right and now that does not mean you should not give an idea and so on oh by all me please give an idea if there is a point show a counterpoint and so on but ask yourself internally if you constantly doubt your leaders you will never succeed believe me you will never ever succeed i am giving you the examples of example of anbiya alaihi wasallam who were guided by allah subhanahu wa ta'ala today our leaders are, we are not guided by allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we are guided by whatever piety and so forth we have what connection we have with allah but we are sub, we are we are subject to mistakes and so on and so forth but if you constantly keep doubting you will never have musa alaihi salam allah showed us example because this is what they, the bani israel they did they constantly doubted musa alaihi salam they did not commit totally to musa alaihi salam when musa alaihi salam was given the order to uh, fight the people the hittites who were uh, occupying jerusalem and uh, what did the people of bani israel what did they say they said, ah, he said you are going to get us killed no way you go you and your rab go and fight and what was the result of that allah subhanahu wa taala decreed for them that that entire generation would never see jerusalem so 40 years they wandered in the desert because of this because they refused to follow their leader contrast this with the sahaba rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam is going to badr why is he going to badr because his information was that the caravan of abu sufyan is in badr and they were going to go raid the caravan they didn't go to badr to fight any battle that's the reason why they left straight from masjid anabawi we talk about 313 sahaba and they were not well armed and so why the number of sahaba in madina at that time was not 313 there were many more they had all the weapons in the world they wanted the aws and khadraj were famous warriors so how come they landed in badr without weapons and so on and so forth because they didn't go to fight they did not go to badr for a war for a battle they went to badr only to raid a caravan and raiding raiding caravans was honorable activity at that time in any case abu sufyan's caravan had stuff and goods from the the uh, property of the uh, muhajirun which uh, the quraish had misappropriated so there was a reason why they wanted to raid this caravan they went for that now as they got close to badr 
Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam got intelligence to say that there is no caravan. Caravan has gone already. Abu Sufyan got wind of this and he took another route and he went off to Makkah. He reached Makkah safe and sound. What you are going to find in Badr is the actual might of the Quraysh because they are coming with, a, with a thousand, an army of a thousand people and they are fully armed. So entire situation has changed. Right? So what does Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam do? Does he say, okay, let us turn back and go, we, we, we went for the caravan, we can't find the caravan, no. If we came for a purpose, we are going to complete that. He said, we will go to Badr. But, the people who came with me, are they still committed or not? So, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam called a meeting, all the people there. Now, this consists of the Muhajirun and the Ansar, people of Madin as well. Rasulullah told them the facts. This is the reality. This is what is going to happen in Badr. Who, what is your opinion? Who, was, who is with me? So, from the Muhajirun, people stood up. One by one, Awoga Siddhiq stood up, Sayyidina Omar stood up and so on. Various people stood up and they said, Ya Rasulullah, we are with you. Please lead us and you know, we are, uh, we will support you and we will fight for you and so on. Rasulullah everyone who stood up, Rabbi said, he gave dua to him, he said Alhamdulillah, and he sat down. But Nabi still asked the question. The Ansar realized that the question was really addressed to them. Because the Muhajirun Nabi knew, they came from, they came with me from Makkah, they are with me. But the people of Madina, their original deal was to protect Rasulullah in Medina. Now they are out of Medina. So as far as the original covenant was concerned, they have already gone beyond the boundary of that. So do I? will they still support me or they will not support me? I must find out. And that is when, if I am not mistaken, it was Saad bin Muad, he stood up and he said, Ya Rasulullah, it seems that you want us to answer this question. So Nabi Sallallahu smiled. He said, Ya Rasulullah, you lead us. And there was a fortress which was considered to be completely impregnable and impossible to invest. He named that fortress and he said, if you tell us to go and fight that and to take that over, we'll do it. He said, if you take us to the edge of the ocean and tell us to walk, we will walk. Whatever you say we will do, we are with you. A complete commitment. Now, did they know that Badr will result in a victory? No. They didn't know that. That is why Nabi Sallallahu made this famous dua of his. He said, Ya Allah, if these people die, there will be no one to take your name with there. Even Rasulullah himself had a doubt, will this, what will happen here? So they were not committing knowing, yeah, I know it's good to commit, we know, you know we will succeed. No, 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 we don't know whether we will succeed or not. Commitment means that. Commitment means full commitment. Whether you will succeed or not, we don't know. Still you, full, you fully commit. And you fully commit because you know that without full commitment, you will definitely not succeed. With full commitment, you may or may not succeed. I mean, but with, without full commitment, total, absolute guaranteed failure. There is no doubt about that. So these are the two critical things of good followership. Owning the vision 
as your own and complete and total commitment do whatever it takes because if there is a 10 foot wide trench and you have to leap over it if you re- if you leap a distance of 9.9 you are still into the trench you have to leap a distance of 10.1 even 10 you will you will hit the edge of the trench and most likely you will fall down into the trench so full commitment means complete and total commitment over what is required the reason i thought i'll say this is because today we have a you know good intentions people have uh, different people want to do different projects and so on and so forth but please understand this very clearly no project will succeed without these two ingredients complete ownership of that project by everyone associated with it and my criterion as far as muslims and islamic projects is concerned is that every single person from the chairman to the doorman must stand in the night in tahajjud and cry before allah subhanahu wa taala for the success of that project i can give it in writing literally that every project which fails is because the people who are closely associated with that project do not make dua for the success of that project i'll give it to you in writing there will be one or two people maybe the inceptor the person who started it or and so on so but even the people close to that person they will take it easy they say so and so is making dua the sahaba did not do this please understand if there was somebody who who could do that legally it was a sahaba after rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam is making dua what is my dua if i sleep a little bit what happens no 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 not one of them every single one of them they cried before allah subhanahu wa taala they prayed they prayed tahajjud they begged allah subhanahu wa taala for success they didn't say ya allah your nabi is praying you know my prayer what is it compared to the nabi no we don't do that i'm telling you i, I can give it in writing every single project islamic muslim project which fails fails because the the, the followers including those who are close to the so called initiator of the project they lack the commitment and to me commitment begins with that with standing in the night before allah subhanahu wa taala and crying for the success of the project they don't do it project fails so that's why i thought let me talk about this because good intention alhamdulillah everything begins with a begins with a good intention but intention alone is not enough not by a long shot you can have all the best intentions in the world if you do not have complete commitment if you do not do complete investment if you do not put all your energy all your time all your money into that project it won't succeed now you might say well you know how can i do that you can't do that it won't succeed simple as simple as that so my my submission is before you start a project decide whether you can do it if you can't do it stay away don't fool yourself thinking that it will succeed it will not succeed unless you have everything there is this other big uh, you know problem where we think that we doing something kuch to kare na kuch se kuch nahi hota let us do something let us do a small thing 
there is a critical mass for every reaction. Right? I'm not saying everything has to be done major maximum size, but there is a, if you want to start a poultry farm, you can't say, well, you know, let me start with one chicken. Doesn't work. You can keep one chicken if you like, there's no problem. But you want to start a poultry farm, if you want to call it a poultry farm, then there is a certain number of chickens that is required. If you say, no, why that many chickens? Why not one chicken? Why not two chickens? It is not a farm, please. As simple as that. If you bring the, 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 the greatest brain surgeon in the world, absolute number one brain surgeon in the world, there's no one to go even close to that person. And, he, and you have, a, you know, lots of patients who need brain surgery. So the man says, well, look, I have the knowledge, I can do it. You say, and what do you need? Well, you say, well, no, I need a minimum. I need a theater. I don't need a thousand bed hospital. But I need a hospital with maybe ten beds. And I need a theater with this equipment. You say, no, 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 hold on. Why don't you start in my garage? Huh? I'm telling you, these are questions which are today actually asked. And people think they are intelligent asking these questions. Why can't we start in your garage? Yeah, well, I, I think it's a great idea. Let's start in your garage with your brain. That's a good idea, you know. Please understand this. This is not... Uh, I, I'm looking at it from not just the Sira angle. I'm looking at it from my consulting practice as a business consultant. People actually pay money to talk this stuff and you're getting it for free, right? And that's why you have no value for it. Seriously, understand this. Projects don't work like this. You will not succeed. Right? Take it from me in writing. You will not succeed in your life. You will not succeed in a thousand generations. Unless you do it this way. That is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said Muhammad sallam as an example. Take this and apply it to any great, within quotes, great success project in the world. In a worldly sense and you will see the exact replica of this. You will see people who put everything into it. Not some, not some halfway stuff. Everything into it. When they were doing in Boeing, when they were doing the uh, design for the 747. Jumbo jet. Largest plane. Until that time, largest plane ever manufactured. It was one of the most successful models in the world. Somebody went to the chairman of Boeing and they said, what if this thing fails? Because Boeing at that time had invested more than its own capital into that project. So somebody went to the, went to, the, uh, uh, to the to the chairman and he said, what if this fails? He said, you know what, why don't you talk to me about something pleasant like a nuclear war or, uh, you know, the third world war or something like this. So, I mean, <laughs> tell me, talk to me about something nice like this. You know, why are you talking about this? What, what is he saying? He's saying if this fails, Boeing will be shut down. There is no company. So why did you take this big, big risk then? How come the, the board agreed? How come the shareholders agreed? How come all this happened? And as they say, the rest is history. It's a huge success story. And this story, I'm telling you, I didn't dream it up. It's there in Built to Lust. Colin and uh, Porras' book. Read it. Take any global project which succeeded and you will look at people there. Do your backward, uh, you know, engineering in that Look at the history of it and you will see people who committed everything they had. Everything means everything. 
including the shirt on their backs. And Allah gave great success. Find me one successful project in the world which happened by somebody working on their week weekend or by somebody paying some lift service or by somebody saying, okay, I, I will give this much. Which is way less than what is actually required. And the project still succeeded. Find me one like that and I will put my turban at your feet. <clears throat> I'm not talking through my hat. I've studied this. I've traveled the world. I've gone to places where they have huge successes. I've met those people. I've spoken to them. And I've done this over the last 15 years. Or 17 years, not even 15, 17 years. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking just theory. So therefore, my submission to you is, think about your own lives. Think about what you want to start. Convince yourself that it is worth doing. And if it's worth doing, then it is worth all your time and all your money and all your energy and all your influence. If you don't think it is worth doing that, leave it alone. Don't waste your time, don't waste somebody else's time. And as I said, it begins with standing in the night and, and praying and crying before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the success of that project. If you have not been doing that, then you are responsible for the failure of that project. As simple as that. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us the courage and the fortitude and the ability to do something worthwhile with our lives before we go in the ground and start pushing up the daisies. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help us in that and to make us make investments in our own akhirah, which is exactly what it is, which will yield for us the kinds of results that we find with people like Abu Bakr as-Siddiq and others. وصلى الله على نبي الكريم وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين برحمة الله